be with the coach. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. www.d20radio.com Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPGs, a podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Welcome back to Me and Steve Talk RPGs, folks. I'm here with my friend Steve. What's up, Gamination? Yeah, what's up? So, um, what do you want to talk about today, Steve? You want to start with our podcast of the week? You know, that probably would be a good idea. Do you have anything in particular in mind? I was thinking we shout out Squad Tactica since you were on their podcast. Yeah, by, by the time this airs, that should have. Yeah, Squad Tactica is cool. Squad Tactica is um, it's a podcast on the D20 network that is focused on minis games. And most specifically, I believe, skirmish games, as in Warcry and Kill Team. But, I mean, it's it's just a, it's a fun place to hang out, even as someone who who really doesn't paint minis because, well, my fingers are the same size as most minis. But, I mean, he's, they're a really cool place. They're fun to hang out. They're more than happy to, to try and help you figure out what you need to learn to paint. He seems to be really well connected with, with different people, you know, episodes I've listened to. Uh, he's talked with got people from, like, the Army Painter Company, stuff like that. I hopped onto their Discord and was like, okay, so let's say I want to try to learn to paint. What do I actually need? Because, you know, if you look on Amazon or whatever, I mean, good heavens, you could you could spend tons and tons of money. They're like, no, here, buy this $30 kit, go buy some cheap plastic minis or even, you know, just start out, even go buy plastic army men and, and, and play with those for a little bit. You know, as you learn how to do it, okay, yeah, then you'll get into nicer stuff. Yeah, I've definitely spent too much money on paint. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, looking at, at some of the stuff that some of those users over there paint, though. Oh, I mean, yeah. Those guys, the, the, the users in that Discord, and I knew this, but they just put me to shame. <laughs> like, it's just sad sometimes. I'm like, I... I I can make realistic looking leather. That's about the best I can do. I can't. Well, that's that one that, that we were looking at the other night. The um, yeah, that bug thing. The the Tyranid Ripper. He did an awesome job on that thing. Yeah, and that was still in progress with those pictures he was posting. Yeah, yeah, I saw that, and I I was sort of impressed. I was like, that's really nice. And you know, there was a posting of a Necron army that was looked really good. And these are going over your head because they're 40k factions. But yeah, they're Squad Tactica seems like it's filled with really cool people, and yeah. definitely their Discord's somewhere to go hang out if you're interested in painting or anything 40k related. It seems like that's the place to be. Well, that you know, I'm not sure when this our episode here is going to air. Whether it's going to be before the the interview that I got to record this afternoon or after, but they also recorded an episode with Opti and Mr. Johnson, who we either just did or are going to talk Shadow Run with. And are also behind a miniatures game called Gangs of the Undercity. Yeah. Which, at least judging by the pictures on the, the site for the game, the minis are just awesome. I think Gangs of the Undercity looks really great. I, yeah. I, I mean, I'm tempted. I really am. Except that I don't want more things to spend money on. I want to spend I money on books that I'm never going to get to read. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, to be fair, we could get the two-player box set. I'll play with you. And then I'm sure we could probably... <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it, it, it does. It looks cool. And the one thing that I, I guess, from what I kind of overheard of a, a conversation between them, Gangs has a little bit more of a narrative element to it than most of your, your skirmish games do. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's break into something that's not a skirmish game. No. Let's talk about the thing we've been alluding to for a couple weeks now. Let's talk about Cyberpunk Red. Uh, yes. Cyberpunk Red. The thing that we've been mutually trying to read for, what, the better part of a month now? Yeah. So, we broke this up into two fairly equal parts. You took mechanics, and I took story. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start with your side, and then we'll go, go into my side? Since that's kind of how the book's laid out. <laughs> yeah, well, that's kind of what I was thinking is, I mean, I don't know about you. I was just going to call the PDF up and just kind of start at the beginning and, and work through a little bit. Because, well, I mean, that's what I do when I get a book, right? Yeah, we could do that. So if we pull the PDF up, the first thing we're coming into is uh, some gorgeous art. But um, once you get to the meat of it, it is Never Fade Away, which hasn't really changed i actually went back and looked at it and it didn't change at all okay so that is basically just a direct reprint from the story that was in mostly to the back of the original 2020 right if you haven't read never fade away man that's a great intro that's a great way to get your head into the game yeah to just give people who, who may not have ever read it like, you know, we're obviously coming at this game from the perspective of people who really love Cyberpunk 2020, and this game is a continuation of that in, in many respects. And this is just essentially the story of Johnny Silverhand losing his girlfriend to the Arasaka Corporation, to make it overly simple. Yeah, I think it's funny that, you know, the game is controversial because it's, it's not great at the moment. I'll say it's kind of funny that they cast Keanu Reeves <laughs> to play Johnny Silverhand, considering what the story of Never Fade Away is, and that runs sort of parallel <laughs> with his character from John Wick. And yeah, that's true. I hadn't even thought of that. But yeah, we don't want to spoil the story per se, but... Again, it, it's not, I wouldn't consider it really spoilers considering it's been in print for 31 years. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it's essentially Johnny tries to go get his girlfriend back from the Arasaka Corporation that kidnapped her. And there's things he doesn't know about her and it doesn't exactly go as planned. Like any good cyberpunk story. From there, we sort of get into the first view from the edge where it talks about so you want to be a cyberpunk or maybe just look like one it breaks that idea down. What a cyberpunk is, then that. Then we get into the proper view from the edge. So the crash of 94. So this is like the Cliff's Notes version of what is later in the book. So this, this talks about the crash of 94, which is when the World Stock Exchange collapsed and Soviet Russia collapsed and everything sort of goes to crap. Then the fourth corporate war, which is the most recent corporate war in the storyline as this goes between Arasaka and Militech. What we miss, which is basically just a condensed version of what's what's missing in the world at this point. A little bit of life on the streets, giving you a background of what it's like in the megacities. And then closer than you thought, which is more background, more a little bit more of an idea of what the world is. 
Techno Shock, which I don't think was ever called Techno Shock in the fa in the past. I don't remember what the cyberpunk term for it was. I want to call. I want to say it was Cyber Psycho. It is, but Cyber Psycho is still a thing in this because they introduced the term Techno Shock as though it is Cyber Psycho. Sort of, although it it seems like it's more people's reaction to technology as opposed to an individual disconnecting due to voluntary modification fair then they talk about the neo-luddite movement which i always wanted to play a nomad who's a neo-luddite think the street preacher from or yeah think the street preacher from johnny demonic <laughs> <laughs> yeah it does a lot of stuff just kind of setting up really setting up your mindset to think the way that the game wants you to think it's a great forward in the book it really is it's it's a great between Never Fade Away being right at the top of the book and and this little just recap of where the world is at the moment, it's just a great sort of, just a great forward to get you in the headset of this is what this book is going to be and this is what the world is. Well, you know, to, to read just a, a snippet of it, and again, you know, this is direct from the book, so copyrights as apply, whatever, but it says cyberpunk is also an attitude. You wear the most in clothes, know the right people, and follow the right crowds. You plan your crimes in the most select clubs and bars. Your enemies are corporate armies, cyborg biker gangs, power-armored assassins, and computer-wired netrunners. Your weapons are nerve, street smarts, bravado, and the Manami 10 smart gun in your hip. Are you ready now? Of course you are. You can't wait. Now, you're cyberpunk. And then we get into a tabletop RPG primer, which you'll see in most books. Uh, yeah, almost every game. <laughs> except for Morkborg. Morkborg doesn't have one of those. It's like its number one complaint is people are like, can I get a little bit of primer? No? Oh, okay. I mean... That book, that game's just too cool for you. That's just all it is. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I think that game is completely written in the mindset that it's not going to be picked up by someone who's never played an RPG or not likely that's, that was the perspective it was written from. So. No, I agree with you. I just know that that was one of the number one complaints that mud and blood had when they did their review of it. Well, yeah, that's, that's fair. So then we get into street slang which is great. I always loved this about cyberpunk is that they always give you this nice bibliography of just here's slang. Yeah, that is, it is, if nothing else, it's fun. Well, and it's as a DM, it's useful because then you don't have to like, then I don't have to sit there and make up a term for like, what kind of rock does the rocker boy play? Well, he plays chromatic rock, you know? Yeah. You go LEO or go Leo. You, know, you take a trip into low Earth orbit. Like, yeah. I mean, meet space, net run. Some of those are just, it's it's fun. You know, Rabbids. like you said, it, it gets you in the right mindset. Yeah. Rabbids or Poser Gang. It's just, there's so much, there's so much. I love the fact that they define that there isn't, there isn't gas anymore. So we're running off of Chew 2. Yeah. Like, it's it's basically an alcohol that the cars run off of. Cromer is, a, like, it's essentially a kroner in, in metal. Like, I get, a, I get a kick out of that. And then we get into this garden view, which is like... Oh, those are great. I love it. It's it's very much the what the view from the edge used to be. Mm-hmm. It's like 
you know, because nobody reads a newspaper anymore. So this is like this is like uh, your homepage, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of like a, a game period Yahoo homepage. Yeah, and it it's a really cool. I dig it. And the art is the art is clean. Like yes, the, the art is just very clean. It is. I I like the art. For me, it doesn't feel the same as the art in 2020, but then it shouldn't. This is 30 years newer. That's what I was going to say is that as I was reading the lore, I understand why the art doesn't feel the same as 2020. Because, and this is going to sound weird considering where 2020 was, but this is a very much a darker, more post-apocalyptic cyberpunk. Yes. And the farther we get into this book, the more I'll get into that, because that doesn't come in until you get down to the point where it starts talking about in the time of red. Which, by the way, I guess before we get too much deeper, we should say that canonically, you know, obviously Cyberpunk 2020 was set in starting in the year 2020. And I believe the supplements went up through about 2023. Yes. I, I may be off, but I know that's close. No, that's you're right, because... I know you're right because that's when, in the lower section, when it actually goes into the timeline, that's when it sort of stops making sense with me because I've, I ended up reading a lot of those expansions, like mm -hmm. a lot of the story stuff, and 2023 is when most of that stops. Yeah, I mean, and so to take that, Cyberpunk Red is set in, I believe, 2045. Yes, you know, approximately 22 years after the last of the CP2020 source books. Starts in 2045. So they did leave themselves room to go from there. Yes. Then you get into the soul and the new machine, which is the beginning of character creation. Yeah. You know, they go over just kind of your, your classic character creation for, for almost any game. And it's very similar if you're familiar with 2020 as far as just the basic intro. It's, you know, real quick overview of, of all the, as they call them, roles, which to put it in D&D &D terms, they are classes, but they're in no way nearly as, as rigid as D&D classes. It's very much still a skill-based game, and depending on your role, you get a special ability, which allows you to do things that other roles can't. But there have been some changes and updates. Right. I'll sort of point out a couple updates right off the top. So Rocker Boys are still Rocker Boys. Solos, Netrunners, Techs, Medtechs, Medias, and then Execs, which used to be Corpse... Right. And then lawmen, which used to be cops, <laughs> fixers and nomads. Right. And now technically techs and med techs. Yeah. Technically techs and med techs weren't a separate class. Right. It was just like a subclass of tech. If you wanted to go med tech, you went subclass of tech, which I appreciate that they split those because there's enough between those two that it needed split in the first place. Yeah. I do like that they went with execs over corpse because corpse were a little bit hard to explain. Yeah. This, at least you sort of get the idea of what this person is supposed to be. Yes. Lawmen is a better term than cops because people who played cops were often like, they were trying to play like straight up cops and lawmen sort of implies like you could play it a little bit more dirty. You can play a little more grungy. It could be private security. Right. You don't have to specifically be Night City Police Department. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that. The, the distinctions there. But it doesn't feel foreign. 
No. Which is one of the things that I know a lot of people, at least me and, and some other people that I talked to, you know, we were all kind of very nervous that, that, oh my God, are they going to, you know, because like we love the old game, but yes, it's dated. And so like, is there, are they going to take the game and make it into something we don't recognize? And I mean, look, I'll, I'll give my impression here just real quick from the surface they did not do that at all this is still the game that we all loved but it has been updated and modernized in in the best ways possible and so let's get into talking about one of the best things about this book because i think it's the first time we're officially seeing one i know there's ones up higher but in character creation this is the first time we're actually seeing it we have roll abilities. Each roll will give you access to a roll ability, which you can navigate the streets through. We'll talk more about these roll abilities. See section page 142. Mm-hmm. And if if you have the PDF and you click on that 142, guess what it does? Yes. Oh, I'm on page 142. <laughs> yes. And for by all accounts, he's, he's credited in this, and I've heard it said by other people that worked on the book, Jay Gray, who is also the PR guy, Artel Sorian is the one who did a lot of the layout work and all the hyperlinking in the PDF. And if you're someone who has never really liked PDFs just because it's weird for you, I will say this. I completely understand where you're coming from. I so much would rather have physical books, but if PDFs are taken care of like this one is with the hyperlinking, I could be converted. Well, and the layout, the layout's perfect. I've been reading this on my phone, and the way it's laid out, everything's so big, I can read it on my phone with no issues. Yeah, I have to say, with the layout, when I, when I first got the PDF and I was scrolling through it, I'm like, eh. Like, not that it was bad, but it was, I was, I don't know, I guess I had hoped for something that, that felt like it hit in a lot of the ways like 2020 did. But what I realized after going through and reading it is, while they maybe could have done something that had more visual impact, this is very easy to read. It's very, very useful. So, like, it's just, it's done right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, completely. Well, I just want to shout out real quick, because it's pointed out in the book here, Richard Bagnall did did the art for some of these images, and, man, his art style just fits. I've seen his stuff floating around a lot. He's very much a cyberpunk artist, and it fits really well. Yeah, the art all does feel, it feels spot on. You know, it feels appropriate for for a modern game. So, are we ready to dive into character creation? Well, yeah. I I think it's probably the smoothest character creation I've ever seen. Yeah, and and again, they took the basis of the old character creation system and just updated it, which I think is, it's great. You know, they, they actually have three modes of character creation, too, which I think are really cool. They have what they call street, edge, and complete, which, okay, you're going, why do you need three modes of character creation? Well, here's what it amounts to. You have what they the street or street rats, which are basically templates where you just, you go through and you pick option A, option B, option C, and you're basically done. I read that as, like, street rats I read for... NPCs really great. Oh yeah, it would be wonderful for that too. 
I read it as street rats are taking the place of the quick and dirty. Because there was, you remember from 2020, they had those, it was like a character sheet that was like four characters. Mm -hmm. And it was for quick and dirty expendables, is what they called. Right. And I read that section of the street rats as just taking place of the quick and dirty expendables. I think it does, but it also does give you a full character in the end, not just the high points. Not just the high points. I completely agree with you. I think it's, I, I definitely feel that it's not so much for your like generic bad guys, but it's more for, say we have a reoccurring character who the players always talk to. You yeah. need to throw stats on him. I would roll up a full on character for that at that point. But with this, I'm just gonna throw together one of the one of the street rats for its character stats and call it good enough. Mm-hmm. And then the second mode is is edge runners, which takes that but adds a little bit of complexity. Yeah, you you pick more stuff as opposed to just picking a template. And then the last mode is what they call complete, which is full, so to speak. You're you're picking everything. Hey, can we talk about edge runners for a second? Yeah, sure. So it's got my favorite thing. Random tables? Tables. <laughs> oh, this book is full of tables. I know. And like almost devoted completely in half to tables. <laughs> but I love that you basically pick your class, you roll a D10 that tells you what your stats are for that, and you move on. Yeah. Say you're playing a rocker boy, you roll a six on a D10. That's a five inch, six reflex, seven dex, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And that makes character creation just really easy. Mm-hmm. Really easy. Yeah, that's that's kind of good, I think, for, for someone who, what do you want to say? You, you've got an idea what the game is, but you're not ready to fully dive in and, and build it from the ground up. This kind of gives you a gives you a good functional character that you you do feel is is customized, but you didn't have to spend the time to buy out everything individually. Oh yeah, you know which is where the the complete comes in, which is kind of your classic character creation. Yeah, and and the complete is very much the old school. You know, this is this is how we used to roll characters in Cyberpunk twenty twenty, and that's sort of what the complete is. Yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But yeah, and then it's got flow charts, you know, explaining, go through step by step by step. You know, first thing you do is pick your role. Then you run your life path, which they have changed a little bit. It's more like they've kind of broken it up from the way it used to be where everyone rolled on the same chart in 2020. Now it... Well, it depends on what your role is. Yes. The, the, the life paths are role-based, which among other things includes some really nice things like what your office is. You know, where does your character do business, you know, as a fixer or as whatever. It could be in a booth at a bar. It could, you know, any number of things. I just want to say I love that because the last time we rolled characters in Cyberpunk 2020... We ended up with a couple characters with overlapping backstories. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, as long as everybody at the table is playing a different class, you're not going to really have an overlapping backstory. But yeah, I mean, the life path, and it looks like, okay, there's there's a kind of a, I don't want to say a generic life path, but there's pre-career life path, and then there is career-specific life path, I guess is the best way to explain it. Right. And that's, that's really nice. Yeah. Because it just gives it some nice... It gives it a nice mix. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, like to a certain point, it's kind of neat. You know, if you follow the chart, the first thing you do is pick a role. Then you start running your life path. Then you finally, after that, you get to statistics. 
So depending on how you want to do this, you can let your life path kind of affect what you think your, your stats might be, even depending on your role. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because like you mentioned, you know, when we played 2020, when we were doing character creation, we had, what, at the table, aside from me running the game, you'd actually played, what, one session? Yes. Yeah, one other person had played one session. No one else at the table had played the game at all before. Now, you'd read it a decent amount, but the table had a ball going through the life path and going, oh, this, this. Well, hey, maybe that means that you and I, and, and what did we end up with this weird, like, family tree where we had three characters that were, like, half-siblings or something crazy? Yeah, something something wild like that. So, yeah, you, you run your life path, which, you know, they go through and explain a bunch of different stuff, be it, you know, your your cultural origins is what they're calling it, which affects, you know, languages. Now, as with 2020, everyone on the street speaks street slang. You know, it's again, it's a, it's a table. You roll a D10 and it, North American, South Central American, a couple different European, African, various Asian, you know, Islanders, a bunch of different stuff. And, and assorted languages that relate to those, although it, yeah, I believe it says somewhere that if you if you want your character to speak a language that it isn't represented, you can go ahead and choose that language instead of one of the ones listed. I thought that was neat. That's cool. I dig that. Then, you, you know, you've got a, a base personality type, which again, these are all marked as, as roll or choose. Then you get into the, the personal style, which I always thought was an entertaining part of, of these charts in, in the original game. They're fun. I hardly ever used them, mainly because when I was rolling a character, I sort of already knew what its personal style was going to be. But if you don't know what you're building as far as a character, that's a fun. Yeah, it is. And, you know, there there are a lot of people out there who do like to do this kind of stuff random and then play what it spits out as opposed to coming in with a preconceived concept. Well, I know I have a couple friends who, and I don't want to say this sort of rudely, but don't have the creative mind. Yeah. And, and that was always nice, is that you could go, hey, just um, go ahead and, and roll on this table and see what you end up getting. Yeah. After that, it goes into motivations and relationships, which tells you various things or can inform various things. And then it goes deeper into, you know, your family background, your childhood environment. That in, in pretty much everyone, because of the nature of the world, has had a family crisis. So then it basically just gives you a list of things that could have been your family's crisis. Right. Then we get into the friends and enemies, which are, this is a little bit different than the way they did it in, in 2020, but I kind of like it. Although I have heard some people say that they think you should have more friends and or enemies. And my response would be then, well, calculate them differently. Yeah. Because the way it tells you to do it in the book is you roll D10, subtract seven, minimum zero, and that's how many friends, and then it's the same roll again for enemies. Well, if you want more, just say it's more. Yeah, and that's always been the thing with, with this game is that, like, it says it up front. You know, attitude is everything. So if you think there should be more friends or more enemies than friends, all right, change that rule, you know? Yeah. Well, but then again, too, if I read them right, and as much as I wanted to, I haven't read this in the context I would if I was getting ready to play it. But I believe there is more along the lines of friends and enemies in the role-specific life path in addition to these. Right. So, yes, it's not that many, but that'll build. Oh, yeah. You said friends, enemies. But, you know, and then it, it gets into tragic love affairs to see how many you've had and kind of what became of those, uh, how they ended, some life goals. And then 
it goes into your role-based life paths. And, you know, and this is where in 2020, kind of, you know, your rocker boy was rock star. Well, here they, they break it down, and I'm just the rocker boy is the first one that comes up, but you're, you're not necessarily just a rock star. You could be a musician. You could be a street artist. You could be a, a comic or a DJ, or, I mean, there's a chart with 10 of them on there, you know, and then it says, okay, are you in a group or a solo act? Or were you once in a group and flow chart? I don't think we need to deal into every specific nuance of that, but it, it, it does give you a really clear picture if you go through it as to who your character is. Right. And that's nice too. Yeah. And this was kind of always the case in 2020. It is, is a game based entirely around D10s and D6s, although in 2020 you had the odd D3 and D2, which, look, if you've played games, you know you just use a D6 and count it however you intend. But, you know, Cyberpunk Red, the D2s, the D3s are gone. It's all D6, D10. You know, you can play this game with four dice, five dice on the table. That's it. That's nice. <laughs> I'll yeah. just say it. It's nice because it can sometimes be a pain when you start having to roll those D2s, D3s. Yeah, and well, you know, different people count a D2 or a D3 differently. You know, that's that's all out the window. Right. You know, I, I really do like the character-specific life paths. Goes through all those, and then I think we finally get to stats. I think we get into stats, which we did already sort of talk about. Yeah. Now, they have changed slightly, and I actually made notes as I was reading things here. Well, they've done a couple of things. The appearance stat that was in Cyberpunk 2020 has been deleted. Yes. Which they did, I think, largely because, well, for two reasons. One, it was pretty much the universal dump stat. Well, yes. But also, and I'll say this from a lore standpoint, the mentality behind why you would have that stat has changed in the world in general. True. So in the in the story of the game, back in 2020... It was a big deal if you looked super teched out and you were sort of grotesque. Now, it's not uncommon to see people super teched out. Right. And so that attractiveness stat has sort of gone out the window because attractiveness is subjective. <laughs> well, that and also, even if you want to say that it isn't, you could just go down to the local mall kiosk thing and get cosmetic surgery upgrades. Yeah, body sculptors are everywhere. Yes, that's the word I was looking for. Okay, so you don't put any points in it at creation, just sink some money into it, and yeah. So it kind of was, it just became a meaningless stat. But the number of stats remains the same, because what they did is where you had Reflex in 2020 that was kind of, well, it was kind of an overpowered stat in a lot of ways. Oh, very much. Because all... Pretty much all your combat roles keyed off of reflex. And what they've done now is they've split that into two stats. There's still reflex, but they've added dex. And dex runs melee weapons. Ranged weapons run off reflex. Well, let's actually get into that a little bit. So skills have changed. Yes. And skills have changed for honestly the better. Yes. I would agree with you there too. I think they've... They've condensed it, but not to the point, you know, like to tangent just a little bit here. For me, I don't like the skill system in like 5e D&D. It's too condensed. It is. There, there's too much. So 
we've run into this problem before and and you've seen me deal with it the way i deal with it i'll say make a check and somebody at the table will say well i mean i can or i could make this kind of check and then i'll just go whichever you think is more appropriate and leave it up to the player Mm -hmm. i always like that about 2020 is that there is no question about if, if i'm asking you to make a driving vehicle drive land vehicle check you're driving a land vehicle yeah you know like drive car or drive ride motorcycle it's the pilot vehicle like i'm asking you to make that kind of check and it's very specific yeah it it, it is i i like that it's it's defined but they've gotten rid of a lot of the skills that no one ever used and some of the ones that were kind of redundant which i like yeah i agree it also does a little more clearly define your numbers, but again, they're still the same, basically 1 to 10 scale, typically 1 to 8, but luck still basically works the same way as it, it did in 2020. You know, you're not going to look at the character sheet and go, huh, what? Oh, no, if you played 2020 at all, you can more than likely pick this up in a heartbeat. Yeah. So, yeah, and it goes through, you know, it gives you a breakdown of what stats are what, and then it gets into some of your favorite things, charts. Yeah. This is your templates for your street rats. And essentially for your street rats, it says, okay, you're playing a street rat, and I believe it breaks them down. Yeah, by roll, these charts. You roll a D10, and then you just copy the array that, that lines up with that number. And so they're set up to give you a set of stats that fit for that roll, but there's, so to speak, 10 different assemblies. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love it. Yeah. And then goes to the edge runner method, which effectively uses the same chart, except you roll for each stat instead of a full array. Yeah. Again, it's the same thing, just a little more customized. And then complete, I do like, and this is one thing that, that to a certain point, I didn't think they defined as well as they could have in 2020, is the amount of points for your average starting character. It was kind of vague. And here they have it broken out very clearly. Yeah. I always felt that way too, because it was like, how many points should I give to an average character? And then it was like, well, I don't want any of my players to feel like they're weak or super weak. Mm -hmm. And so you end up going with like minor supporting hero or, or here or like major supporting character. And it was like, well, this is overpowered. Yeah. And so show that again, they have a chart, clearly defines it, says here, this is how many. You know, I do also like, the only limit is that no stat may be higher than eight or lower than two. Hey, and that's a carryover. <laughs> I don't ever remember actually seeing that in, in 2020. In core stats, yes. Oh, okay. Base stats could never be higher than eight or lower than two. Okay. I, I don't remember seeing that, but I'll take your word for it. But then, then it goes into your some of your derived statistics. And here is where we hit one of the... I'm going to call it a bigger change because gone is everyone having the exact same amount of wounds. Cyberpunk now uses hit points. I like it and I don't. I like the wound track, but it did complicate things. So you win some, you lose some. Well, I can't say I'm disappointed. No, I'm, I'm not upset by any stretch and I'm not like disappointed that they switched to a hit point system. Just kind of sucks because it was one of the things that I actually really liked about 2020 was the oh I got shot in the arm oh okay I now have lost my arm you know yeah 
but I mean, it, if you look at the chart, most of the time your your average character is going to have 35 to 45 hit points, which I here's the thing. Cyberpunk 2020 was deadly, plain and simple. Very. What I feel like they've done with Red is they've rolled that back a little bit because I think for a lot of role players in the modern era, Cyberpunk 2020 just feels too deadly. Well, what it feels like they've done in Red is they've scaled that back a little bit, but it's still deadly enough where it's not a game where you want to stand and fight. I could understand that. And they've simplified some of the the math as far as when you're wounded and and so on and so forth. It's still going to be a deadly game if you get into any sort of prolonged combat. I'm not upset what they did by giving it hit points. I'm just... I did enjoy that of the old game. I'll just say it that way. Yeah. It's, it's, there's no, there's no like, oh man, this ruins it. But yeah, that was just one of the things I liked about the old game was, oh yeah, it had this really awesome wound track. Yeah. It, it's different, but I didn't mind the old way, but I could see a lot of people being less okay with it than I was. Yeah. I could understand that. I could understand people being like, uh, you know, and, and from there, I guess you go to humanity, which still works more or less the same as it did in 2020, but they have modified it because one of the criticisms that I've heard leveled at more cyberpunk as a genre than cyberpunk 2020 specifically, although as it was the the first game to come out in the genre, a lot of it did get laid at the feet of, well, cyberpunk 2013 technically was the first one, but it very rapidly became cyberpunk 2020 is that the humanity and the cyber psychosis and the humanity loss from having cyber limbs and so forth installed. And they have addressed that because let me back up a sec. The concerns that, that I'd heard from is from people who be it, I don't, I don't know what the, the, the proper term is, but people who have physical issues where they don't have the use of limbs or eyes or whatever, and that them, so to speak, getting brought back up to the same standard as a conventional person, I, I, again, I, I may be using the wrong terms, but that that someone who has what in often cases is referred to as a handicap is somehow less of a person because they got a limb installed because they lost one in an accident. And it, it actually, as you get farther into the game, it specifically states that you only lose humanity for limb replacement if it is a voluntary upgrade, so to speak. You know, so if your character gets their leg shot off and just has a, a leg put back on, it doesn't cost them anything for humanity. Right. Or, you know, you lose an eye to some unlucky sports accident and you have a, a cyber eye installed so you still have, you know, normal depth perception. It doesn't cost you anything in humanity. The cyber psychosis effect only, or the, the loss of humanity only takes place when you're willingly making yourself more machine than meat. Right. Yeah. I can understand where people would take offense with the humanity thing. And I can understand why that is such a, it was a problem in, in, in 2020 because I felt that humanity loss was too easy in Cyberpunk 2020. So let me put it this way. I, I, I didn't like that there were little surgeries that still took humanity. 
So stuff like getting a smart gun implant took humanity. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, like I, I think it goes through and, and, you know, I don't think we need to get into this much detail on it, but I read somewhere, you know, like small stuff like getting a skin watch, which is basically like a, what we would consider a smart watch, but it's actually like part of your skin. That doesn't cost anything. The cosmetic stuff, even the, the stuff where you have, you know, be it fiber optic hair or whatever, doesn't really cost you. But if you start turning yourself into a cyborg because you want to be more of a badass, that does cost you. And I think that is a fair thing in that, you know, yeah, you are voluntarily becoming less human and more machine. Goes back to that uh, street preacher. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, man, that's such a great movie. Anyways. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's that that's kind of a deep topic, but I think I think the way they've handled it is respectful to those who have what are considered to be disabilities. You know what I mean? Right. I understand completely. And and that's pretty much it on your attributes and derived attributes, and then it goes into skills, which it's the same basic structure. They've just trimmed it up, neatened it up, made it a little bit less complicated. There are still some skills now with the times two modifier, but I don't think any of the, you know, there used to be times three, times four. I, I haven't seen any anything higher than just a times two, which just represents that it's a more complex skill, which I never had a problem with. Yeah. And skills still work basically the same way. You add your skill ranks, your attribute, and you roll a D10 and you add it. I mean, it's good. It's a good skill system. What do you want me to say? <laughs> yeah, it's it's simple and effective. And almost perfect. Like, very, very nearly perfect. For being a... Still, I, I will say this is still on the crunchier end of modern games. You know, it is much more simulationist than, than a lot of games out there currently, but it doesn't play complex, and that's to me, is the difference. Yeah, I agree. It doesn't feel super complex. It doesn't feel any more complex than say Dungeons and Dragons. No, it, it's it's not. And there are some notes in here is to regarding how to learn new skills, so on and so forth. Upgrading them still works essentially the same way as it used to. But then it gets into assigning your skill points and here again we we go, kick back to the three types of character gen and so you have charts with a skill breakdown for the street rat style, which is just, you're a rocker boy, here are your skills. Yeah, and that that's kind of great. I, I really like just being able to go, here, here's your skills. Be done with it. Yeah, if you move into the edge runner mode, it says you get 86 skill points. Nothing can be higher than six or lower than two. The following skills must have at least two levels. And here's your list. Right. Again, it, it's it's easy, it's simple, not really any more to say with that, I don't think. And that sort of skills, I mean, there's not much to say there. And then, you know, the complete, basically, again, nothing can be higher than six. Following skills must be at least two, and then spend the rest of your points as you want. And to be completely honest, the skills, I, in all honesty, would almost be tempted, even if someone is doing the complete creation to do skills via the edge runner method. I, I like that in that it's it's very quick and effective. Oh yeah. I do I do really like that they give you those three options though. Yeah. I mean it, it, it makes you know you can you can really build out your character full custom if you want. And the other thing that I like with them 
the three modes, you can actually, so to speak, you could you could do this section of character gen with this mode and then use a different mode for a different section. You know, it's right. not as if you have to start in one and stay that way. You could you could do your stats through the, the street rat thing, do your skills full custom. You know, you can mix and match them any which way. Yeah, and that's really nice. After stats, we get into the fun stuff, the stuff of cyberpunk, which right. was, well, it's, it's, it's a big part of the game because, you know, your gear really does define your character in a lot of ways in, in this type of game. I'll just say it out front. 2020's guns and gear system was okay. By them shaving it down and making it the core or making it like its bare necessities, it's so much nicer. The can it be concealed? Yes or no? So much better than like trying to figure out, oh, what the heck does a J mean? What's a J in concealment? It's jacket. Oh, yeah, barely. <laughs> like, yeah, you know what I mean? They they abstracted so much of it out, and here's the thing that and I've seen on on some some various you know be it Facebook groups or whatever where people are kind of grumbling about this, but it's the, it says right in the thing. Look, we just did this to make it simpler at the table. It said you know they they've just broken down basically everything into basic categories. You know, you have light melee weapons, medium melee weapons, heavy melee weapons, and very heavy melee weapons. And then it gives you examples. Damage for all light melee weapons is the same. All medium is the same. So on and so forth. And you can flavor that however you want, right? Like a, a baseball bat and a machete for mechanical purposes are the same thing. But you can flavor that however you want it for your character. Oh, yeah. You don't need the book to give you stats because even if you actually looked at half of the stuff in 2020 and all the, the Chrome books and Blackhand Street Weapons and all those books, they were very, very, very similar across the same groups. And so all they've really done is just taken those groups and made them all one stat block and said, put whatever sticker on the outside you want. I agree completely. I agree completely. Yeah, it does kind of suck because part of the fun of, of 2020 was all the splat books or all the, you know, the Chromebooks were a big part of 2020 and all the different, all the different stat blocks for the guns and such. But this just makes for such a better streamlined system. Yeah, it, it just, it works better at the tape and... Yes, I, I get that it doesn't have all the neat little fiddly bits that, that hey, some people like it. And, uh, you know, the other thing, though, is that Artel Sorian has on their website a free download to convert all those guns and all that other stuff, at least especially the guns, I know, from the 2020 stat blocks to the, the red stat blocks. It's a free download. So, yeah. I mean, it's... Like I said, I think it, it just makes the utility of the game much better. Oh, I agree. I, I completely agree with you. I'm not saying it's a bad thing in any stretch. I'm just, you know, it was just one of those fun things in, in 2020. And, and that you can carry those over is great. It just really is. You know, they, they've deleted a couple things. There is no more weapon accuracy. Certain weapons used to have, say, a plus one or a minus one. That's gone. The reliability factor is gone. Again, just less stuff to keep track of. Yeah, and stuff to make the game just more streamlined. Yeah. The first thing I noticed immediately 
was the concealment. Mm -hmm. As soon as I noticed that concealment and the different levels of concealment was gone, I was like, all right, I can already tell that this weapon system is going to be a whole lot better. Yeah. And another thing that they kind of, it's it's sort of hidden until you read it, is they've changed the monetary system of the game quite a bit. Here again, this is this is something you're probably going to have people squawk about this, but I like it for play mechanics. Everything now is grouped into cost classes. You'll be at costly, premium, expensive, very expensive, you know, so on and so forth. And that will play into something we'll get into a little bit down the road. But part of what it's designed to do is because you're dealing with street-level cyberpunks, if you really think about it, the street economy is probably much more barter than actual currency. And so what it's saying is effectively that this is worth roughly the same as this in barter terms. And I like that. Most of the people out there listening probably don't play RPG games to get their accounting fix. And that's <laughs> what they're looking to eliminate. Yeah, I, I can understand that. I can. I don't want to do it to get my accounting fix either, but I end up doing it anyways. I will say they did change the prices of stuff as well. Yes. I'll say that they tried to be more realistic in 2020 with the EB costs. So you would see things that were like 12 EB. And like, well, this just makes it difficult to actually do the numbers crunch and make everything line up smoothly. Now it looks like everything's pretty much an even flat number. You know, yeah. it's a multiple of 10 in some way or a multiple of five in some way. The stuff that's cheap is like 10 EB. It's not like 12, 15, 10, 11. Yeah, and so through weapons and then it goes into stuff. And here's another thing that, that I like. Uh, it goes into some armor. Still more or less works the same way, although, again, they've streamlined it. Now, you basically, you have your type of armor. You can flavor it to look like whatever you want. It just has a protective value. They have about eight different types with different, what they call, stopping power. Well, it was already sort of just an armor class to now it's just a blank or just a generic armor class. Yeah. Yeah. It's stopping power. It's how much, so to speak, damage your armor can soak because hitting you isn't the hard part. It's getting through your armor. Right. But they, and they still have your, your armor penalties, which affect your reflex decks and move. And there is something that they've changed. Well, there are two things have changed really. One, there's no more stacking armor, which I know you remember there was that goofy chart somewhere in 2020 that explains if you wear this type of armor on top of this type of armor, then you do this calculation and this is how much it much it actually helps you. Oh, I thought maybe you would hear my eyes glaze over as you started talking <laughs> about it again. <laughs> but no, at this point, you get one layer of armor. That's it. Man, that's I mean, that's nice. I just, again, I felt my eyes glaze over as we were talking about the stacking armor. Because if you if you liked the stacking armor table, hey, good on you. I like tables too, but that was miserable because it was like, what's the number? I don't know. All right. I got to go either do this math or like stare at this table for a while. Yeah. The other thing, that this is kind of a big change. And again, I like it. You remember how 2020 had all the hit locations. Every time you shot someone... You had to roll a hit location. Yeah. 
No. Well, you can sort of figure that out by them taking and just making it a hit point system. So. Well, sort of. You know, now, uh, unless it's a called shot to the head, which somewhere I wrote the stuff for that, but there's a penalty for doing that, etc. But um, basically, you're assumed to get hit in the torso unless specifically targeted or it's a crit, which your crit in this game is actually now based off damage, not your actual attack roll. Which, by the way, when we were talking about skills, we should have mentioned they did change that slightly where in 2020, your die basically kept exploding if you rolled 10s. It only does that one time now. I'm just going to say boo to that, but... Well, it's a simple house rule if you don't want to. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I know. I just, I liked when it was like, I rolled a 10, I rolled a 10, I rolled a 10, I rolled a 10. (laughs) Yeah. Die exploded like six times. All right, now we're good. (laughs) Yeah, and if you roll a one, you roll again and you subtract it. So, okay. Yeah, it's a house rule. Whichever. Minor change, but with the gear, and this is something that, oh my God, do I wish they had this in 2020, is they now actually have just, if you want to do it this way, and it's so much easier, you can just get a gear package. Based on your roll, you get this list of stuff. Here you go. Yeah, here are the things. Enjoy. Yes, just write it down. Here you go. They did technically have the outfits in 2020, but it wasn't nearly what this is. The outfits in 2020 were just the clothing to make you look like the role that you're playing. So, like, the lawman outfit, and yeah, agent, flashlight, handcuffs times two, radio communicator, road flare, ten of those, generic chic jacket and bottoms... Uh, two jackets, three tops, or t- two bottoms, three tops, leisure wear, footwear, jacket, bottoms, micro shades, and a, and a t-shirt. It's so perfect. Yeah. You know, the media is like just, it's just so good. Yeah. It's so nice for the table. You know, and then it does say if you take these packages, you get an extra 500 EB to spend on whatever else or just put in your pocket. If you really want to, yeah, you can, you can buy everything out. But let's be honest, I I don't really understand why you would. You know what I mean? Yes and no. I mean, I understand. And at the same time, I go, but I did that. (laughs) Yeah. And the other thing, too, is the, the list of stuffs is one nice little chart on a page. They don't have the, what was it, three or four page spread that was miscellaneous stuff in 2020. But again, a lot of it do, is due to the way they compressed the economy of the game, which I guess is, is something that maybe we should touch on because it ties to the changes in the role skills, which we kind of skipped over, although it is later in the book. So I don't know how you want to handle that. That's up to you. You want to just talk about them now? We can't. I mean, look, the the, the, the rest of the, the gear stuff is, again, it's charts or spend your money. It's basic character creation stuff, but they have a lot of it laid out in packages as opposed to you having to piecemeal it through. Next section of the book goes into cyberware, explains some of the stuff about uh, humanity loss and cyberpsychosis that we were talking about earlier. I just want to talk about the image of putting the cyber into the punk. Oh, yes. That is a cool picture. That is such a cool picture that it has become one of the background pictures on my desktop. That picture actually reminds me of someone I know. It's such a cool like metal picture i love it i just it's just so good yeah it is it is it is a really neat picture 
Because it, it genuinely scared me the first time I saw it. <laughs> but yeah, it goes through the cyberware and the same stuff. Can you get it at the at the kiosk in the mall? Do you have to go to a clinic? Does it require a hospital? Again, if you're familiar at all with 2020, it's kind of the same thing, but updated. Hey, you know what the other thing this does that's better than 2020? Hmm. The humanity loss. It provides it like the stats in like the stats for a monster in D and D. So you have basically the average. So let's take a brain dancer recorder. Okay. It is seven or two d six. Humanity loss. You can either go it's seven flat humanity loss. You just dump that and there you go. Or you can roll two d six if you think your odds are better than that. And I actually really like that. Or if you're if your GM's like, nah, you're gonna just take the flat number, or if your GM's like, no, you have to roll the dice. I like that because it makes buying cyberware fast. Yeah. Because one of the things that slowed down cyberware so bad was calculating humanity loss. Yeah. It was one of the things that sort of not held you back, but made you a little bit more apprehensive on buying cyberware. Yeah. Now, I do see, I didn't notice this before, they do still have the subdermal armor. They do. Yes. But it actually gives rules as to how it heals, which is nice because that was always kind of a thing that was hidden somewhere in a book that no one ever really knew exactly where to look for. Yeah, the the subdermal armor has changed because, if I want to remember correctly, the subdermal armor in 2020, like, the outer layer didn't heal over top. It was just, it hit the subdermal armor and stopped, essentially. Now this breaks it down where it's essentially like a nanomachines type thing where it heals the outer layer as well. Yeah. So you could very easily in 2020 walk around looking like a zombie with just a bunch of holes punched in you. Whereas now it talks about how it heals. Yeah. And the other thing when we were talking about armor that I forgot to mention is there was an optional rule in 2020 about your armor effectively taking damage or as as I believe the term they used was to ablate. And that is now no longer an optional rule. If you get shot and the damage of you getting shot exceeds the value of your armor, the stopping power of your armor now just goes down by one. So your armor wears out, which I like it. It's a realistic touch, but it makes sense to me. Again, and, and, and most of the stuff that everyone thought was cool, be it the ripper hands or the, the, the big knucks, slice and dice, that type of stuff, that's all still in here. You know, the Wolverine claws, all that cool stuff is, is still in the game. Yeah, once you're out of cyberware... You're into another really great story to get you into the mindset of Cyberpunk Red. The Fall of the Towers is... I don't want to spoil it. And and I'm just going to say you really need to read it. It's probably one of the things that really makes this book worth buying. If you care about Johnny Silverhand's character from... And and on into 2077? Yeah. You're going to care about the Fall of the Towers. And the Fall of the Towers is what kicks off the... Fourth, the fourth, fourth corporate, corporate war. war. Yeah. Well, I just like, it's got just a, a one line in world quote leading into the story. And it says, all right, pipsqueak time to see if metal really is better than meat. Let's dance. Yeah. You know, as said by Morgan Blackhand to Adam Smasher on top of the Arasaka towers. So that is such a, a cyberpunk line. Well, and I might as well get into it a little bit. Because it's it's not a secret. 
once you read that story, that story ends with a nuke going off at the top of the Arasaka Towers, blowing up most of, blowing up most of the city, most most of Night City. Mm-hmm. Which that happened in 2022. That was about 25 years before Red takes place. Red takes place in a much more cynical Night City. If you want to play a Night City, once we get down a little farther, I'll talk about. Because they do actually get into other options. Whereas like 2020, it was pretty encouraged to play in Night City unless you had splat books that outlined other areas. Mm-hmm. This gets into, so you want to play in Europe. So you want to play in Africa. So you want to play in Asia. You want to play, where do you want to play at? And it gets into what states there are left, what states there aren't left what the united states looks like at the moment like as far as geographically that's a it's a pretty interesting bit down towards the bottom there and this story is great i mean it just is oh yeah i fully intend to read it i just i intentionally skipped over it because of how we'd split it up to to be able to get this done because we've both been working like idiots well the only reason i'm not really talking about the story too much is because it does have major spoilers if you care about johnny silverhand and the story of never fade away Mm -hmm. this is basically the sequel to never fade away right no i get that completely so here's your favorite section getting it done the basics of resolution since we talked about starting a new game the fact that they just here's a chapter on our core resolution mechanic yeah yeah this is the nuts and bolts of how to play the game via the mechanics and it goes into a couple things. They outline some things that, in my mind, don't necessarily need to be said, but I understand completely why they're putting them in the book. You know, For example, they technically use three scales of movement. One being narrative movement, which is essentially just saying, you know, look, this is how fast you're going to walk. If, if you're going to walk to somewhere that's five miles away, it's going to take you this long. Actually, there's a little micro chart that tells you that, you know, walking takes is this this fast, roughly running is this fast, roughly. Here you go. Then they have figurative movement, which is essentially you just compare the move stat and say Johnny is faster than Morgan or whatever, or the Ferrari is faster than the Volkswagen. It's it's just a, a comparative thing. And then you do get into the technical literal movement where it's, you know, you get to move this much in on your turn and, and so on and so forth. If, if you want to break things out like that, if you want to play with minis on a grid and so on and so forth, then you get into, you know, it gives an overview of initiative, which is the same as it always was combat rounds in cyberpunk are three seconds. Initiative is reflex plus D 10 for everyone. Solos no longer get to add their special skill as an initiative bonus, which Yes, nerfs them, but that's getting into the role-specific skills, which we'll do, I think, shortly. But to break it down, again, it's not anything drastic compared to 2020, but they have simplified it a little bit. You get one move action and one regular action. The no more is the, you take a cumulative minus three penalty to all actions, blah, 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 blah. Nope, you got one move action, one action, you're done. Yeah. Which, I mean, to be fair, and I don't mean this to come across too bad, but anytime we played Cyberpunk, we never really took the penalties anyways because they were always so, like, 
It was always such an annoying mess to try and figure out what the penalty would be to do extra things. So it was always just like, well, you know, that's too complex. I'll just do a move and an action. Yep. And again, they do have what they call a run, which is basically sacrificing your regular action to take a secondary move action. But yeah, it is actions in detail. You have move action. You can attack. You can get into a vehicle. You can get up from prone. Uh, you can grab someone. It goes into detail for holding actions. But again, this is basic role play stuff. We don't need to. There's nothing earth shattering. You know, stabilizing a character who's taken a wound, starting a vehicle, throwing something, and then net actions, which will tie into the Netrunner role skills, using a skill, using an object, not something that, that I think we need to spend any time really discussing because it's, it's basic RPG stuff. You do have a difficulty value chart, which is, to memory, without busting out my old GM screen, is slightly tweaked from the difficulties in 2020. But, you know, a simple simple task, difficulty value of, of 9 up to 29 for, for something legendary. I think that's slightly tweaked, but I don't think it's too much different than what it used to be. No, it's, it's not tremendously difficult, but I want to say the old chart started around 12 or 15, and this one starts at 9. But again, it's not a make or break thing with the game. You know what I mean? It's, it's not going to affect whether you decide you're going to play this game or not. It's still, skills are still resolved the same way. Stat plus skill plus D10 versus either, in the case of an opposed role, versus your opponent's stat plus skill plus D10 or versus the difficulty value. Yeah, this is where it, it, it explains the critical success and failure where, you know, you add or subtract the second die if you roll a 10 or a 1 respectively. Some conditional modifiers, you know, based on be it night or low light, whether you've ever done something before, if it's extremely complex and so on. Again, standard stuff. If you're familiar with any games at all, it's the same thing. Breaks down a few things like, you know, where let's say it's a, it's a step-by-step process and you have to make a series of checks. There's there's some things to give yourself a bonus if you do well on previous rolls. There's a you can get yourself a plus one if you want to take four times the amount of time to do something. If you don't have a skill, then it's just stat plus d10. Goes to the rules for using luck, which are the same as they were in 2020. You can decide you're going to spend X amount of luck on a roll that adds in a one to one value to your dice roll. You're supposed to decide that before you roll. I house rule it a little differently personally because it's just the way I like to do it. But your luck stat is your pool that lasts you for a session and then resets. It's not a complex system. Pretty much just what it says on the, the lid. Then you get into your skill descriptions, which if you're into RPGs, I'm going to assume you can read and can thus read skill descriptions for yourself. But yeah, it breaks down, you know, what skills cover what, gives you kind of a an idea of what if your stat plus your skill is this amount, this is what someone would see you being able to do. For example, for driving, it says at a base 10, you would be considered a very good non-professional driver. So let's say you have a, a stat of six and your drive skill is four. You're better than your average Joe on the road, but you're not driving a race car on the weekends either. Right. And then it gets into class specific skills. And now these, they have changed. Some of them have changed quite a bit. Some of them haven't changed that much. 
I just like that there's pretty clear descriptions on what your class-specific skills do. Yes, as opposed to being... In, in 2020, they were a little vague in a lot of ways. Well, I just think back to... And I'm just going to say this. I just think back to the Nomad and it just being like, your class skill is family. Figure out what that means. Yeah, and I think somewhere too, I remember seeing it with as a starting character, your role skill, your special skill starts at four. That's it. Oh, that's so nice. But it, it it tells you, like the first one that comes up is Rocker Boy, and it says your special skill is charismatic impact. Well, it says at ranks one and two, you know, you can play like small clubs, impact, say, a single fan or small group, etc. And you may be asking yourself, well, why does it list one and two if you start at four? And we'll get into that. You know, it, it does break down what you can do or what you can expect to do reasonably at given ranks. Charismatic impact, I don't think, has changed as much as some of the other ones. It's just a little more clearly defined. I think one of the ones that's changed the most is the combat awareness skill for solos, because that was really just, it was such a monster skill in 2020 where you added it to your initiative, you added it to awareness checks. Well, that has changed. And I think solo, because it is such a popular class, do you want to spend a little time talking about the way they've changed this? No, I'm pretty good with that. But I mean, suffice it to say that, that what you do, like in the case of solos, is you get a pool that while you're in a structured encounter, you can take an action to a lot points in this pool to do different things you can add to your initiative but you can also add to your to hit roll you can actually reduce damage you take and stuff like that and they've broken that down you know net runners it affects how many actions you get while you're in the net techies they've changed it a little bit so it's no longer just you can macgyver something together to last so long it actually breaks down into some sub skills so that you can make things and so on and so forth i think the one that really the one that really ties into the you know you've heard me talking about the the changes in the the economic system of the game is the fixers class skill which was formerly street deal it is haggle haggle contacts reach haggle and grease okay what what page is that? 159. Or if you scroll up and you find the little pictures with all the different classes, you just click on the picture and it takes you right to it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Remember we talked about this being really nicely hyperlinked? I did the yes. same thing as you and I was like, wait, I just saw a picture. I just saw a page with all their pictures on it. I scrolled up and I was like, okay, fixer. Boop. This is where the ranks tie into what tiers of stuff a fixer can find. Right. I didn't find the specifics to it because again, I was trying to go through this to, to read it somewhat quickly and not, not completely get bogged down in all the details. Yeah. Not, not like I was trying to run the game, but more to be able to speak about it. But essentially your ranks and your class skill as a fixer affect how good a stuff you can find without having to just find a night market and hope to find the tier of, of stuff that you want. So, like I said, the, the, the role skills are broken down much better than they were in 2020. Again, just makes it more defined so that everyone has a better expectation of what their characters can do. 
Yeah, I like it. The nomad skill, like you referenced before, it used to be just family. Well, now it breaks down. Your skill now is called moto, and effectively it is, depending on your skill, among other things, it gives you a specific list of what type of vehicle you can requisition from your nomad pack. Right. You know, as opposed to just, you can get a major favor. I like that they've sort of defined the nomad role in the right way. Because the Nomad was very unclear on what it was supposed to be doing. And now it's pretty clear that the Nomad is to be your driver. Yeah. And then it goes into, again, based on your ranks, what upgrades you can get in these vehicles beyond just the base vehicle. Yeah. I just, like you said, I I like the definition because it's just less, well, last time you said, you know. Once we're out of there, I want to talk about the splash page of Garden Books. (laughs) <laughs> just because I get a kick out of it because it's it's old 2020 books. So the first one is the Night City Travel Guide. Mm-hmm. Which is the cover from the Night City Splat book. Right. Uh, then the Raish Bartman or Bart Moss Guide to the Net, the Enforcer's Handbook, and Near Orbit, which is great. And then just an energy for Smash, Kick the Other Habits in the Face. Yeah. Just an energy drink down at the bottom. Like, that's great. Smash is kind of like your your combination. It's monster beer. Right. And then, oh, it's, it's yeah, it's the four loco of this world. Then the fir- Friday Night Firefight, which has not changed. No. I read through it. It's the same. I mean, the rules have changed, but the core of it is not. Yes. If you've played Cyberpunk 2020, you're going to have to learn some fine details but that's it. The, the auto fire rules are a little different, stuff like that. But again, mechanically, it's streamlined. No, it's not as, as detailed in a lot of ways, but I think... It's not as detailed, but it's more detailed in certain ways. Well, I think for purposes of play, it's more usable. Yeah, so like cover used to just be cover. Well, now cover has hit points. Right. You know, what are you behind? Mm-hmm. And is it thick or thin? Now, the one one thing they did add, I noticed, is that now if the defender of a ranged attack has a reflex of eight or higher, they can attempt to dodge a ranged attack. That makes sense. Yeah. I would obviously say that you'd have to see the person attempting to attack you, you know, so to speak, duck for cover or roll out of the way. But again, that's kind of, I think, an unstated rule given the design philosophy of the game. Well, and if your reflex is eight or higher, you're already at max reflex. Yeah. So you're talking about somebody who's moving unrealistically fast. Yep. You know, there's a a small chart with your difficulty values by weapon class and range, which are similar to what they were before. Values are slightly different, but yeah, I mean, it's a chart. You can read it. Has the rules for auto fire, which flat out says in Cyberpunk Red, auto fire has been reworked for speed of play. Woo-hoo. Enough said. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. Because the auto fire rules in 2020 were extremely deadly. Yeah. You know this. <laughs> I shot someone's leg off with them. Well, you didn't just shoot someone's leg off. You saw us just light that poor guy up. <laughs> oh, yeah, that too. In the van and the <laughs> whole the alley. Van. But yeah, I mean, melee combat still works the same. It's opposed roles. I don't think melee combat is the strongest point of this engine, but it's not bad. There's some grappling, choke, throw rules, martial arts rules. You know, there's rules for being on fire, for drowning, and so on. Poisons. Gets into some of the cover rules. 
previously covered just had a stopping power value where now it's effectively, yeah, you can hide behind a slab of steel, but they're going to punch through it eventually. Yeah. Makes sense. Again, with the conversion to a hit point system, makes sense. Yeah, then there's, you know, more of the same armor charts that were in the gear section. Stuff on taking damage is what we get into next. This is where, again, where it used to be you had to make the stun save thing is gone. Mm-hmm. Which, it was kind of neat, but it got a little fiddly. Now, until you're down to half hit points, it's the same. But once you get to less than half of your hit points, you're at a minus two penalty to anything. If you get down to one hit point, actually less than one hit point, you are mortally wounded. Although in this, I might house rule this and say maybe less than five. It's something I would probably play with as written before I changed it. But you, you start taking, it's because it says less than one. So I'm assuming that means you're at zero hit points, but you have passed your death save, which you have to make at the start of each of your turns. And then you're at minus four to all your actions, minus six to your move with a minimum of one. And then any time you take any further damage, you take an automatic critical. And then it gives values for stabilization, which another page or two later, basically what stabilization does is if you take damage, you will not just heal that damage unless you are stabilized. Nice. But like until you're you're talking about the first aid check or stabilization check, you're talking a, a DV-10 check, so it's not a hard check. It gets harder the more wounded you are, but until you take half, it's, it's a DV-10 check. So it's not, not anything earth-shattering. And then we come to the critical tables. And the way they've decided to do criticals is, I kind of like it in that it's keyed to your damage, not your strike. And so the way they've decided to do it is that if two or more of the dice that you roll for damage, come up with a six, you inflict a critical injury. And then it's a real quick 2D6 table, everything from losing a hand to spinal injuries, broken arm, broken leg, etc. Again, gives quick fix and treatment difficulties. And then there is a separate one for the head. And I know somewhere I saw the rules for like making a called shot to the head, but I don't remember what they are now. Yeah, I'm not finding them at the moment, but... That's cool. I see that it gets into trauma team stuff. Yeah. Getting the body corrected. Yeah, there's a section on vehicle combat. Yeah, going to the hospital. Mm-hmm. A uh, little thing on, on the reputation thing, which is the same system that they had in 2020, if you elect to use that. And then we come to the big... Yeah, and I actually wanted to ask you about this. So we're coming up on an hour and a half of recording at this point. Do you want to, I know we've never done this before, but let's say, let's split this up into two episodes. Fair enough. So rather than getting a game of the week this week, you're going to get our game of the week being Cyberpunk Red. (laughs) Yes. And come back next week to hear the stunning conclusion of Cyberpunk Red, where we'll start off with net running and go from there. Sounds like a plan, because we've been at this for, yeah, an hour and a half or better, so. Yeah, we're, we've been at this for almost two. <laughs> yeah, yes. By the time I go through and take out all the um, uh, you know, and all the pauses while we're trying to find things, it'll be shorter for you people. Yeah, probably be an hour and a half, but we're still looking at three hours worth of content. And over the holidays, I don't like just dropping. Here's three hours. Enjoy. So. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, go spend some time with your families. However you want to spend it, go spend it. Yeah. 
be safe out there and play some RPGs. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can also find us at facebook.com slash meandsteverpg. Thank you and be kind to each other. How much for the cigar? Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that. I got bloopers out the butt for you. And uh, Squad Tats. <laughs> it's War Cry and something else. Yeah. I, I uh, Narrative. Kill Team. Kill Team, yes. Yes, so Squad Tactic is a podcast that focuses on skirmish games. Kind of, if you will, specifically Kill Team and... War cry. And war cry. There we go. Thank <laughs> you. My brain is mush. Oh my yeah. gosh. So I'm just going to say a couple words for our fans out there while Steve's away. Howdy. How you doing? I know he's going to look at this section and be like, I think I'm cutting that out. But uh, I don't want to sit here alone. So I'm just going to talk to myself until he gets back. Mm-hmm. Why is why is Girl from Ipanema the the go to elevator music? That's what I want to know. Give him all kinds of like when he cuts the when he cuts the bloopers for the episode, he's gonna have to listen to this and be like, ah. Uh... Hi, hi, Steve. Hi, Steve.